Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. If you need help with editing, music production, or anything else related to your podcast, reach out to me at greg at suburbanfolk.com to discuss how I can help you get your voice heard. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but at that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Today's episode is long overdue because for those of you that aren't aware of the history of the show, I describe the reason for me podcasting specifically was to find out some tips about being a dad. So we do a lot of parenting episodes, but up to this point, we've only had mothers or other people that are experts in child psychology or things like that. So I decided to kill two birds with one stone today by introducing the Ring Media Network. And for those that pay attention to the very end of any of our episodes, you'll notice that I talk about the Ring Media Network, which is a group of podcasters who have similar interests, similar frame of minds, and we come together to share tips and tricks. So I have two of those podcasters with me here today, Matt Harrington from the Caught by Happy podcast and Brandon Sire from the Builds, Bullets, and Brews podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. You said you weren't going to use my real name, though. (laughs) I can do anything I need to for the magic of editing. So if you want to remain anonymous, I can absolutely do that. And I'm going to have to after the intro I just did. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, in the spirit of your podcast, Brandon, I know you kick off every episode with your guests talking about what they are drinking right now. So do you want to lead us off with what we're all drinking right now? Yeah. So I'll start since you asked me to do it. It's all about me sometimes. I actually had one before we started. I had a glass of uh, Bell Mead Sour Mash uh, straight bourbon whiskey. And now I'm actually drinking a glass of uh, Breckenridge uh, bourbon whiskey. Whiskey from with uh, snow melt water from the Rocky Mountains. It's delicious. Matt Harrington, I'm going to guess you might have a white claw, but prove me wrong. That's a good guess, because normally on any given Friday evening when we're recording this, I would have a white claw. But I actually have in front of me, just to switch things up, because I knew you were going to think I had white claw. I have in front of me a a, a stone brewing Buena Vesa salt and lime lager. Oh, it sounds delicious. It's my go-to summer beer the, for 2020. Because, you know, all things are kind of, and I'm sorry if you don't swear on your podcast, Greg, but 2020 has been shit. But this beer is is nice and easy drinking, just what we need in July of 2020. So I, I really like this one. Salty and limey. It is. It's like, you know what? It's it's an expensive beer because it's a craft brew and, you know, you're, you're spending like $11, $12 for a six pack. But you get that 
you get that delicious $4 six pack Tecate flavor out of it. <laughs> so if you don't want to spend $4 on a Tecate six pack, you can always spend $12 on a six pack of this. I'm glad you're expanding your horizons or uh, the store was yeah. out, out of a uh, white claw pure and uh, well, you decided to go with that. I think pure is, is officially done, which is very sad. Another reason to hate 2020. You can go buy some hairspray. It'll taste the same. Greg, what do you have? Well, you know, I was under the impression that White Claw was going to be on the menu. So I thought I would outdo that. My COVID lockdown drink is Zevia soda. For those that don't know, that's basically diet soda with Stevia and Tito's vodka has <laughs> been my experiment drink of choice for the last month and a half or so. So is that like a flavorless soda? No, it's cream soda. I'd like to tell you it's flavorless that I'm drinking like a vodka tonic, but it is pretty much straight sugar, straight vanilla with a little bit of Tito's. So cream sugar and and vodka, cream soda and vodka. I've never had that before. It's something I might have to try, I guess. Was that your own concoction or did you uh, find a recipe for that? It was my own concoction. We did one of our first target runs at the beginning of the lockdown and I decided I was going to buy something that I had my eye on before. And I've heard about the stevia sodas. It's like, all right, I guess they say they taste less like diet drinks. So what the hell? I'll give it a try. And uh, happened to have the bottle of vodka around, threw that in there. And it's really, really sweet. So it's a little dangerous about the amount of vodka that you can mix in there and really not have any idea. So you got to go a little easy on that. But that's been my special lockdown drink. Should should we do the opening sound like uh, Brandon does on his podcast? Yes, please. Crack it and whack it. There's that magical sound. Yeah. So Greg, Greg, I'm actually surprised you don't have a have a beer in front of you because you have uh, a person in your family who who runs a brewery, right? Yeah, correct. My uncle has owned a uh, microbrew for a number of years now. Actually, they are the oldest in the state of West Virginia at this point. And then my cousin is basically taking over the overall operations. Um, so for anybody that happens to be in Parkersburg, West Virginia, the North End Tavern or the Net as it's known there is uh, part of my family, yes. And, and maybe to redeem myself a little bit for my uh, not so manly drink, I have gotten a little bit back into bourbon uh, in the last month or so. My dad got us a Jim Beam 100 bonded uh, for Christmas. And I honestly really was afraid to try it. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And so maybe it's easing me back into the world of whiskey. Good. Good to have you try it. So let's talk a little bit about your guys' podcast. Uh, Brandon, we'll stick with you for how you intro all of your episodes. What is the overall theme and what types of guests do you have on to cover builds, bullets, and brews? Basically, it's a podcast about building stuff, shooting stuff, and drinking stuff. That's what it comes down to. Three things that I enjoy. I like doing DIY work around the house, whatever type of projects those are, creating stuff out of wood. Uh, It's not the most uh, intricate woodworking that I do, but uh, it's definitely fun to do. And I usually follow plans. I, I really rarely draft things out of my head, except last year I built a reloading bench and I modified some plans that I found online and sort of crafted it to my own. And bullets, I've been shooting since I was super, super young. That covers everything from pistols, rifles, shotguns to reloading, uh, competitive shooting, 
all of those things. Uh, I've talked to a few industry people from federal and six hours. So that's been, that's been pretty awesome. And then the last one is brews and that's anything from coffee, beer, wine, bourbon. What I try to do is build maybe a, a DIY influencer who's talking about how they started the things they do and how, how they basically created their own brand. Um, but then I also talk with them about the other two things. Do they, do they go shooting? Do they, what do they like to drink? What's their drink of choice? So uh, I kind of like to get a good cross section and, you know, have a way to to have that fun conversation about three hobbies that I really like. Of course, I like it because I am interested in the guests you bring on and none of the topics you hit, I really talk about at all. So I, I know that uh, for people that are listening to your show, they're going to get something completely different from mine. So it, it's nice that we don't have too, too much crossover there. But of course, uh, I enjoy my drinks. So there's definitely crossover with that. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, audience duplication except for the three of us listening to each other's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> Matt, you want to tell folks about Caught by Happy and then also tell us a little bit about the Ring Media Network and what you're doing there. Well, Caught by Happy started because I had found myself in a position where I had lost my job and I was trying to figure out what was next for me, what I like to do, what where my passions lie. And one of the things I did almost immediately after after losing my big corporate job was start my own business because I knew there were things that that I would that I was good at and there were people that I had connections with that I could turn into a side hustle or or a business. The podcast, now I'd always listened to podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for many years and I had two genres that I listened to. One of them, like everybody else, is true crime. And as much as I wanted to do a true crime podcast, my heart was really leaning more towards that interview style, talking to people. Now I listen to like Mark Marin or Dak Shepard or the ID10T podcast. And I, and I love those interview style podcasts with celebrities or people who are doing big things. But the meat of it was really the why behind they were doing those things. And I thought that if I could just talk to normal everyday people, people like you, people like Brandon, people, <laughs> people like us who are kind of in the middle of doing whatever it is that they love and the reason why they're doing it. I, I thought that there was a, that was the gap that's missing in the podcast universe. Like, where's the normal guy who likes to go out to his garage and work on cars? Where's the, the girl who's starting her business from scratch because she re- is really passionate about whatever it is that she does? And I wasn't getting a lot of that. So I wanted to talk to people in my peer group and bring those stories out to the masses. And now the Ring Media Network, that is something that kind of grew out of my business that I started as a result of starting the podcast, once, once I started the podcast, I started talking to these people. I thought, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I started talking to creative people. There's a lot of creative people out there that don't have a network or a group that they can call upon to just bounce ideas off of just to say, you know, what's the best practices today? How are you doing with your channel? You know, whether they be a YouTuber or a SoundCloud or, or a podcast or whatever it might be. They needed a, a network to connect with and and talk to just to help grow each other and empower each other to make the best damn content they can make. So Build Bolts and Bruises is an Instagram account I'd had for probably over a year. And I've always, I wanted to do something with those three different types of stories. I originally wanted to do a blog. Then I was like, I don't want to write that much. And then when you guys had your podcast, I talked with both of you guys. And so from a network perspective, before I even start of, started doing anything, you guys were sort of my 
sounding board for ideas. And Greg, I'm actually even using the microphone that you gave me and talking with you guys about how to get it together. So it really got me out of that analysis paralysis phase that I think a lot of people get stuck into, uh, stuck in and, and keeps them from doing the thing that they enjoy that's creative. And I think I texted you guys early on, um, Brandon, when you first started, where I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm all in. Screw this. I'm done pretending. I'm just going to do what I love to do. And I'm going to say what I want to say because I love doing this. I enjoy it. And I wanted to empower other people to do the same thing. I came from a background where I was in a very strict corporate environment where it was just like, we don't do things this way. You got to have professional equipment. If you want to create content, you got to make sure you're in a studio. You got to have proper lighting. You got to spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to make broadcast quality stuff. And my thought has always been, no, if I've got an idea and I've got the good content, the content will speak for itself. The quality will come later. And I want to always work towards better quality for sure. But I really feel in my heart that the content will speak for itself and will get me to that point. In the spirit of surround yourself with people that know what they're doing and you'll siphon some of that into what you're doing. I knew both of you guys actually did a little bit of this kind of content during your day jobs where I have zero background <laughs> in in content creation and the overall process. So uh, it's been nice to have the sounding boards. Absolutely. So if there are any podcasters that are listening to this, the other thing that's worth noting is we all live in the same area. So I tell anybody that will listen that one of the best parts is meeting people from all over the US and even all over the world. However, there is something to be said about having a group in your local area that you can bounce ideas off of or figure out best practices and things like that. So definitely go check out their shows. Again, for folks that have stuck with the very end of any of our episodes and you hear Ring Media Network, uh, these are the guys that I'm talking about. And uh, any one of us are happy to help with whatever creative endeavors that you have going on. But let's get to the matter at hand for the rest of the episode. One of my topics that we can all relate to is being a parent, or in this case, being a dad. And I typically start in chronological order. So the first part of that would be, when did you decide that being a dad is something that would be part of your life? Was it when you were in your teens or even younger than that, that you just assumed, hey, I'm in a family and I'm going to have a family of my own? Was it more planned out later in life? So Matt, let's start with you on that one. What was your picture of family life and when did the concept of becoming a dad enter your mind? Well, I mean, I don't think it was ever a question. I mean, you know, when I met my wife, I I knew I was going to marry her and I knew I would someday have a family with her. I was never like a teenager or 20 something that thought I never wanted to have kids or was jostling with that idea, you know, wrestling with that idea. I always thought, yeah, of course I'm going to have a family at some point. There was a time early on in our marriage before we had kids where we were both kind of between jobs and we were, we just bought a house and things were financially tough. And Jessica was diagnosed with a type of cervical cancer that at the time, we didn't know how severe it was or how minimal it was. All we knew was this is something that needed to be addressed immediately and it could potentially leave us with the possibility of never being able to have biological children. So long story short, she was able to have surgery and have uh, the cancer removed and she had been cleared. And we immediately said, all right, let's 
stop this whole putting off having kids because we don't know if we're ever going to get this chance again. So we immediately started trying to have kids. And after a, a, a few months and we, we had a miscarriage in there, we got pregnant with our first, with, with our first child that year. So we were fortunate to not have to go through many months or years of trying. We were able to, to get pregnant pretty quickly. What was the age range when you guys decided to start trying? I was, we're five years apart. So I think I was like, I don't know, like 29, 30. I got married at 28. I was 28. And so I think I was 30 when we, when we got pregnant, if I remember right. And she was 25 ish. Yeah. I was in a somewhat similar age range. And again, the whole thought process back then was we're going to wait until we're financially stable, quote unquote, financially stable, whatever that means, which in my life, it's never happened. So if we would have done that, we'd still be waiting. That's actually a very interesting point. And I put some of the questions down that I have specifically for that consideration of how long do you wait to either be financially stable or accomplish whatever it is that you're looking to do in your career before having kids. And uh, yeah, I think there's definitely not a specific time frame for that. And what does even financially stable mean? Does that mean I've got enough money in the bank to have my future child one day go to college? Like, what does that, like, what does that mean? There's never a great time financially to have a kid. I think it's whenever you can afford two mortgages, your house and daycare. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is I, I was always maybe more aware than other people about getting to a certain age where I wouldn't be able to do certain activities with the kids. Now, granted, I think for today's standards, um, I was well in that range. Uh, my oldest was born when I was 32. So hopefully I've got a good 30 years in me to do whatever activities that he's getting into or things like that. But I do kind of wonder on the other end of it uh, for people that are really into other things, whether that's career or otherwise, or are waiting for some sort of moment financially that they get older and possibly are there things that they then can't do with their kids uh, because they're just deteriorating uh, in a fast rate. Now, granted, again, I think that's going to be a, a, a many more years later. Now, Brandon's laughing. So Brandon, I'll kick it to you. Before you do, I just realized because you did the math with your ages and the kids, I just realized that I was 34 when my first was born. So I was not 30. <laughs> oh, okay. I was older. <laughs> that changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Brandon, same question to you. When do you recall saying, okay, I'm going to have a family. I'm probably going to be a dad. Did that change? over the years leading up to actually having children? I mean, I think at some point you graduate college, you get a job and you're like, yeah, I will probably have kids one day. Or you get in a relationship and you're like, yeah, I'm going to have kids. Or you just know either I want to have kids or I don't want to have kids. I knew I wanted to have kids, at least two. I was an only child. I definitely wanted to have more than one, whatever configuration that that came in, boy, girl, you know, two girls, two boys, a girl and a boy, whatever. It didn't really matter to me as long as it was a healthy, happy little kid. But yeah, so I was I was married at 30, first kid by 35. My son turned five January of, of this year, and my daughter's going to turn three in August of this year. So uh, I know my mom and my dad had me when they were older. My mom was like 36 when she had me. I think it's probably a generational thing. I think they may have seemed or parented older than their actual age. I feel like I'm much uh, more immature than probably they were. You know, if you were to you were to compare us side by side, but um, I I want to have fun with my kids, and 
enjoy the hell out of them and let them be kids. I think I have a pretty similar story of I just assumed that kids were going to be in the picture. Didn't necessarily know when or anything like that, other than, as I mentioned, the consideration for not waiting too, too long so that I would not be able to do certain things for the kids. The other thing that influenced me was really, frankly, the ages that my brothers were for getting married and then eventually having kids. I think they both had their first before 30. Uh, so just using that as a comparison, while I think that's probably on the younger side for average, <laughs> that's what I had for a comparison. So I think I was getting a little nervous when I got to age 30 and wasn't set on the path just yet for kids, but not too, too much longer after that. And uh, yeah, it's been all good from there. Do you guys recall hoping for a boy versus girl or any sort of combination or even how many kids did you have a number in mind? I knew I definitely wanted two at least. Um, just because I, I said I was an only child, there's a lot of only children out there. I wanted, uh, I wanted to. I mean, I guess if you really ask me, you want to have a boy first because look after little sister, Greg. I know you're in the same boat, and I think it's kind of funny. My youngest beats up on uh, her her older brother. I had two girls first, and they were great. And we got to the point where. I was content with just having two girls. And yes, of course, like I thought, oh, it'd be good to to have a boy. But if we try again and we, and we get another girl, like, what am I going to do? Can you just keep trying until we have like boys and just have a ton of girls running around. My wife also came from a family where she was one of three girls. And the, I, she comes from a long line of like just women, <laughs> you know, a lot of women in her family, a lot of girls being born, not a lot of boy cousins. So the cards were not in our favor. However, and she, she had the she had the idea of having another kid. Uh, I I don't know if she told me. <laughs> but, but we had a boy two years ago, so I was thirty nine, almost. Uh, yeah, I I think I was thirty nine, maybe forty. No, thirty nine when he was born. So you know, I I immediately thought when she was pregnant, like, okay, that means I'm going to be how old at his high school graduation? Here we are, two years later, after he's. You know, he's two and a half. He's running around. He's almost thinking about being potty trained. He's not quite even close, but, you know, we're trying to get him potty trained. And Jessica comes to me the other day and she's like, wouldn't you like to have another baby? No, (laughs) no, I would not. I would not. I am perfectly happy right where we are. You would run out of time to make TikTok videos. How could I possibly make more TikTok videos if I had another diaper to change? I actually meant to talk about that in our intro. I don't know if we should go back to that. Matt is a uh, a blooming uh, TikTok star. star. <laughs> so make sure you check him out. Uh, I think it's through the Caught by Happy podcast name. It is. I, I, I started it with my, with my podcast account for some reason, but it hasn't translated into more podcast listens, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always tell the same joke. I'm like, just to show that I have no business on TikTok, the first video I put on was about retirement. And uh, I, I can imagine most TikTok users are very concerned about their retirement. Yeah, maybe not at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's similar to you guys. I, I think if I'm really honest with myself, I was probably thinking, hoping boy for the first, which uh, is my oldest is a boy. And then for second, it was very neutral. However, I was pretty convinced that I was going to have all boys. So uh, my youngest is a girl. Uh, and I will also say that I am very much the stereotypical dad that even I'll admit I am probably easier on her than I am on my son. I don't know, Brandon, you feel like you're the same? 
Number one, you're probably easier on the second one because you probably went a little heavier on the first one. Yeah, as far as discipline goes, I know that's that's kind of the way I feel. And then, you know, after a while, you you learn what works best with their personality. So for me, it was well, I'm going to try a different approach with uh, disciplining the second one, and yeah, maybe let her get away with a little bit more because she's baby girl and has daddy wrapped around her finger from birth. But that's fine. Like literally tonight, she hit me in the head with a book because she wanted to read. And it was an accident. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's all right. Well, Matt, how about you kind of flipping that the other way around? And especially if you were sort of on the fence as far as how many kids and age and all of that, having the boy after a couple of girls. I don't know. I mean, personality wise, boys are just, for me anyways, that's just been completely different experience raising a boy than it was the two girls. And I even said going into it, just from like people that I talked to, you know, they would say, they would tell me that girls are trouble when they're 14, 15, 16, and they're just angels when they're kids. And I was like, really? Because these girls are kind of crazy. But no, they're, they are not crazy compared to what the, a two-year-old, three-year-old boy is. He's a, he's a monster, man. And I think that's really going to be the case where he's going he's gonna to drive me nuts for the next couple of years, few years. And he'll chill out as a teenager and I'll just kind of sit back and go, that's my boy. But the, uh, with the girls are, I can already see the, the hormones kicking in with my eight year old and, and she's rolling her eyes and she's talking back and it's just going to be, it's going to be a nasty 10 years coming <laughs> up, I think. All, all I know, but for some reason, my son is just randomly naked. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a boy. Is that a boy thing? I think so. I actually say for my family, that's a little bit the opposite. Uh, it seems to be the girl that is more free uh, after bath time, let's say, or <laughs> uh, if the baby pool is out or something like that. So uh, that, that's actually the opposite for me. Tonight, I was getting my, my daughter ready for bed. My son, I was like, hey, go you know, get changed, brush your teeth. And he's really good about doing that himself. I don't have to get his stuff, his, his stuff out. He'll just do it himself. And he just walks in naked. <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> pajamas oh yeah and the amount of food a boy eats compared to a girl for sure i think is is different i he doesn't eat his dinner but he will he will just be hungry all day long and just want to snack on something we got to put a lock on the pantry because he just will go in there and grab applesauce pouches and, and snacks my son will put it down he'll just eat constantly but my daughter at dinner i have to start her earlier and, and give her like a lot less food because she just eats it super slow, whereas he'll just, he's done. He'll just throw it down. Both of our kids are picky. So yeah, the boy definitely eats more, but neither of them eat all that much. Again, for me growing up in a house of all boys, I felt like we could never keep the refrigerator or the pantry stocked. But I'm not sure that I... I'm going to have the same experience for my kids. I don't want to go off topic here, but let me tell you, that's like my biggest frustration with my kids is dinner time, man. I I now understand where my parents were coming from when they would get so frustrated when I wouldn't eat whatever they put in front of me. Like It is like, what do you mean you won't eat? Like, this is steak. Do you know how much this costs? You know what? Actually, that's not off topic at all because the next note I have is kind of some of the dad roles, but also even comparing the dad role to – generationally. And absolutely, we have the same comparisons that when I was growing up, it was, yeah, you sit down and you eat whatever is in front of you. 
And if you don't eat it now, guess what's for your next meal? <laughs> that thing that you have. And yes, that frustration of like, eat the thing that's been prepared for you. Don't ask for grilled cheese and chicken nuggets and whatever else they would rather be eating. And at least in some of the things that I have read, there are, I guess, links to food issues potentially down the road for that real hard line. This is what you're going to have. Take it or leave it. We're not making other things. I'm not a short order cook. So have you guys taken a similar line? I am more on that side of it than my wife is. I will be the the hard the hard line and say you're going to eat it or you're not going to eat anything or this is what's for breakfast tomorrow type of thing, and she's just kind of like oh, yeah right let's just make some fries some chicken nuggets you want a grilled cheese do you want me to how about just have one bite and then you can be done but I feel that's a good balance because I remember I wasn't a picky eater but I remember being forced to eat things that I didn't like and it wasn't a fun experience and I don't want to force that on my kids either. It's my own personal thing. Like I spent an hour in the kitchen making dinner and you didn't eat it. Like it's, that's why I'm upset. Not because they're not eating. Speaking of who does what, as far as roles are concerned, I can cook, uh, let's see, toast, um, mac and cheese, if I'm really being creative and that's about it. (laughs) So I don't do the bulk of the cooking. So I would definitely be frustrated if I made the food and the kids didn't eat it, but I can't say that that's sort of, part of my experience. And I do resort to games like with, with the youngest, I'm just, I do this thing now where I will feed him the food. But the joke is that when he takes a bite, he's biting my finger and he's going to bite my finger off. And I make the gesture that he, you know, like I hide my finger. Like it looks like he bit my finger off and he laughs and it's hilarious. If I don't do that, he won't eat it. (laughs) Brandon, similar struggles. My kids are pretty good eaters. The only thing my son he feels like he can't eat his things that are spicy, which includes pepperoni and like salsa, even mild stuff. But no, they're both good eaters. They know that they're going to eat what I make for them and I'm not going to make something else. There've been a few times where it's sort of like, okay, well, if you don't finish this, you're getting it for the, for lunch the next day. And they did get it for lunch and they either ate it or it went to dinner the next that night. But it that happened so rarely. Um, they're just really good eaters. My youngest is, is just slow at eating. She's slower than my son. But she will she will finish. And it's just a matter of not or not getting distracted. So no. I mean they're both good eaters, but they are not like, I want this and I'll only eat what I want, not what you've made. So I've been really fortunate about that. Expanding out the same question I mentioned, I'm not really much of the cook in the family as one particular uh, parental job. I'll admit, I think I fit into a lot of the dad stereotypes as far as what I do for the kids as compared to what my wife does in the mom role. What about for you guys comparing and what people would say the standard dad role is? Are there things that you do in raising your kids that you didn't think was part of the gig, if you will, or do you sort of stay in the traditional lane? For me, the dad stereotype is based on my dad, you know, whatever, because that's the dad in my head is how my dad parented me. And I do catch myself acting like my father sometimes. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? 
But when you, when it comes to like societal dad stereotypes, like the one thing that I would say that is is one hundred percent me is riling up the kids before bedtime. When to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when they're trying to wind down and get in bed, and it's after bath time, I'm in there like wrestling, you know, full nineteen eighty five WWF style off the top rope, <laughs> right along with them, and getting everybody riled up. Well, along those lines. The reason I think I'd say like traditional dad stereotype, because I, I think there were certain things that I had in my head that weren't typically a dad role that I thought I was doing. But the more that I would read, uh, it actually turns out to be the case, like the rough housing, like doing. I mean, obviously, it makes sense that the dads doing the rough housing, but just that overall play and even some of the emotional connection that comes with that. Uh, frankly, I had thought before having kids that the kid gets hurt, they're just going to go to mom. <laughs> She's going to be the more of the comforter and so on. But I don't know that that's necessarily always the case. And as I've read more, it turns out that it definitely is not always the case, that that was just, I guess, more in my head than anything else. Brandon, any stereotypes you either think you fall into or uh, areas where you buck the trend? Well, um, I definitely will roll the uh, dad joke of, daddy, I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh, hi, hungry. So, you know, it's that, it's that sort of corny stuff. And my, and my son's like, I don't like your jokes. He'll actually throw that at me. And I'm like, well, guess you're not going to eat tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I have to echo Matt, too. Like, there's probably nothing that, that's better than just picking up one of the kids and slinging them over your shoulder like a sack of potatoes and carrying them around. And they scream in terror, but also laugh at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And actually, another thing. For my family dynamic, my wife is only child, so her side of the family is not used to that kind of rough housing. So I know I definitely get a look here and there, depending on uh, how rough the wrestling gets. But I'm like, this is normal. This is what you do, especially when it's in a house of all boys. <laughs> like, you know, they're not going to get hurt too bad. Yeah, it's great. So what about sticking with the name of the podcast, Suburbia. Um, so one of the reasons potentially somebody's moving out to the suburbs is because their family's growing. They need to be in a space where they have enough room for their overall family or growing family. For you guys, is that what landed you in Suburbia? Have you always, like me, been in Suburbia? So it's just what you're used to. Matt, you want to go first? You know, I think we moved out to Suburbia because my wife is a teacher and she taught out in this area. When I was a little kid, I lived in the city. When I was like seven or eight, we moved out to the country. And I grew up, I, I would consider myself have, have, having grown up in the country. And when I moved to Richmond, I was again back in the city. <laughs> so like, I feel comfortable anywhere. And when I thought back then about where I would like to raise my kids, I could see myself having a truly amazing family in the city. We could have a truly amazing experience in the country. We could have an amazing experience in suburbia. We could have a great experience anywhere. My wife being a teacher and and what's transpired over the past few years is being, for her, being a part of the community where our family is, where she knows other people in the community and on a on a friendly level that we can hang out and that we can talk and we see them in the store is important. It's, it's important for us and for the kids. And you can get that same thing in a small town. You get that same thing in a city. But it just so happens that right now, this is where we work. This is where we live. This is where we play. Um, 
and and it's and it's worked out for us. That said, I would be 100% comfortable moving out to the country, getting some land and raising my kid in a small town environment because that's what I know. On the other hand, I would be 100% comfortable raising my kid in an urban environment. I think it's very important to expose my kids to diversity and to culture and to everything that goes on in a city, to museums, to theaters. I think that's uh, such an enriching experience. And I should also mention that where we live in the Richmond area, we are so close to all of that. We're so close to the city. We're so close to the mountains, the beach, the country. Like, I don't feel like I'm in like suburban, suburban wasteland. Like I can get to whatever I want to get to within a 15 minute drive. That is true. I mean, something that is nice about a small, medium sized town where you can get to a downtown setting uh, is nice so that you're not completely isolated in your own bubble. Brandon, how about you? You know, kind of like Matt, I grew up in the country. Um, I mean, literally there was like farms around me, Christmas tree farms. Closest neighbor was probably a hell. I'll measure it in like half an acre <laughs> away to the left or, or right of me. And uh, it was very, very rural, super quiet. When I moved here to the Richmond area, moved into an apartment, that was sort of the closest I've ever been to a lot of living near a lot of people, uh, except if you count my college, but I don't. Uh, I'm actually living on my own. And then when looking for houses, one of the big selling points of the, the house that I'm in right now is that it was a minute away from a total wine. <laughs> the school district, uh, really good. And also uh, a mutual friend of Matt and I was just a block away. So, you know, it's really been it's really been good living here and ease of access to going out to the country uh, is is easy from here in the suburbs. It's also easy to get downtown, too. I like going to the city. I wouldn't want to live in the city because I like having my own place to park. It's 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 kind of a good mix because for a medium sized city, there's an ease of access to all those different looks, downtown shopping. I mean, hell, like even now, like we, we all take our kids to breweries. That's like the new like gathering place for people to go to to socialize while well, pre COVID it was. But still, it's 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 an interesting thing to see these young families rolling out to a brewery to have a craft beer and then their kids are playing over on the side. It's like, oh, am I going to take my kid to the bar? No. But if it's a brewery and they have a nice outside space and some games and stuff, I'm going to go. So I think that's one of the great things about where we live is we can come back home and we can go out to these things very easily and have that uh, ability to expose our kids to culture and art, diversity, entertainment even, but then come back home where it's quiet and controlled and you can you can own your own space uh, instead of having to travel super far for all of those things. It turns out, according to the few 20-somethings that I know, that going to breweries is like an old person thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally an old person thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought we were really hip with that, but um, I guess I guess that's not the thing. If You got to go to arcade bars now or whatatever they go to. <laughs> Just tell them to get off my yard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's the best part about the craft brew places is, A, if they have a band, that band is done playing by like 8.30 as opposed to not starting a set until 10, 10.30 in the middle of the night. You are so old. <laughs> and the craft brew places close it. What nine nine thirty yeah, usually? Right. 
I'm over 40 now, so if I, if I'm out past nine, I need to get my ass home. There's I should nothing good happens after 9 p.m. People, <laughs> I mean, we're recording at 10 o'clock. I'm about to go to bed. I know. Yeah, that's where we're all going to be headed as soon as we're done with all this. So let's round it out by talking about your ultimate hopes for your kids. Now I know that's a big, big question, but as a dad, is there an ultimate goal or outcome that you have for your kids? And Brandon, I'll shoot it over to you first. Honestly, I just want them to be good people, to be happy and to be as successful as, as they can be. And, you know, it's not really for me to say what their success is going to be, but to, to do good and be good. Cool. Matt? Yeah. I mean, I echo that 100%. I want my kids to, to find what makes them happy, what brings them joy and just go after it with all of their heart. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if they want to be a plumber because they love plumbing. If that's what makes them happy, go get it. Like be the best goddamn plumber you can possibly be. Probably people in, in our generation had parents that were, that kind of expected them to follow in their footsteps and to do what they did and to take the same path that they took. I don't want my kids to follow what I'm like. I've been lost most of my life. Like, I don't know what I like to do. It's I'm always finding something new that I like. I want them to, to recognize early on. and I don't want them to have a preconceived notion about what they should do. I want them to discover it on their own and just go after it and be really great at it. Cause I can remember growing up and in high school, wanting to take an art class and uh, my dad was totally against it. Where you just want to draw stuff? Well, it is art class. <laughs> but I, turns out, I kind of went the creative route. You know, working in marketing and, and advertising and television production. At least for me personally, try and foster some of those interests that I may not agree with or find interesting to myself. But if my kid's into it, great. And it's something that brings him joy or her joy. And that can, it, it takes him down a path of exploring who they are and something that scratches that itch. Like for, for us, so we, we all did this pod, our podcast, our content creation. Probably made us do this. We all have, we're all busy lives. You know, you know, we just, there was something that made us want to do this. And I want to be able to tell my kids, if you have that urge to do something, to create, to learn, to encourage that, to be able to sort of look beyond what I think and know they should do and understand, try and understand why that motivates them to do it. I also wonder, and granted, I'm probably opening a can of worms that could be an entire episode. Well, I'm opening uh, my bottle again to have another drink. <laughs> Perfect. But something that we're learning maybe the hard way a little bit with COVID is of course, yes, pursue what you want to be pursuing and also recognizing that there's more than one way to do it. Of course, that's the story of podcasting is you've cut out the middleman in a lot of different ways so that you can go and do what you want to do. And I also wonder if one of the factors for student debt, which obviously there's many factors that go into student debt, but if the you know, parents said, hey, you got to go to college, you got to do this thing, that's the way to do it with the kids that don't really know what they're doing or what they want to do, 
are paying a whole heck of a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and at best, they get out of school and can use their degree and, and maybe make some money. And of course, at worst, it's something that they just completely don't want to do uh, and maybe could have found that out through other means. I think you're right. I think one of the things that's going to come out of this whole thing is what really is the value of super expensive college, of going away to college? Is it going to be a sustainable thing that in the future? Are our kids going to be expected to have to go or can they uh, make a decent living or a fulfilling, have a fulfilling life without it or, or learning in a different way? Connecting some of those dots too is as dads being as open as you can with your kids of Matt, to your point, saying, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still connecting these other dots and so on and, and things that you can continue to do. Hopefully that will continue to make it okay to not know what you want to do. And then also leave some other options other than shelling out a whole heck of a lot of money when you're not even sure uh, what you're doing and what you're getting out of the experience, whether that's college or otherwise. Is there still a way to have that experience of, of college that, that we all maybe have had where we go away to, to school and we're, we get away from our parents and we get out on our own for a little bit and we get to be with our peers for a few years. <laughs> Is there a way to still have that experience without having to shell out so much money <laughs> and also focus on what you are really interested in and have it and have it be, you know, instead of four years of, of, I took some classes that I had to take because they were required. And then there was like a year of like hard work. Can it be, can it be a few years or a few semesters of focusing on what you really want to do and come out of it? Um, just ready to go. You know, at what point did Votech or vocational training during high school become looked down upon? I I really enjoy doing DIY stuff. And I don't know that I learned a whole lot of that skill from my male parental unit. YouTube helped me a lot. You know, if it's safe, uh, like before my daughter was born, built a changing table for her. My son helped me put it together because he really wanted to learn. And I'm like, okay, well you can help me hold the drill and stuff like that. Or um, I built something for a, a BB, uh, a trap for his BB gun uh, earlier this year. And both the kids were out there. Where I was doing it. And of course I was cutting the stuff over here. But when I was assembling stuff or gluing stuff or clamping it down, I had both kids on the back of the pickup truck where I was putting it together and they were helping me. So being able to show them that, this is something that can be fun and it's a skill you can do is, is good. And your dad, yes, who went to college and does marketing and all that stuff for a living. I can still do this stuff and it's still a, you know, an honorable profession or trade and, you know, you can make good work out of it. And then from, co from a college perspective, I don't know if, if community colleges aren't aggressive enough or there's still a stigma about going to community college, but now, I grant I didn't go to community college, but it's a much cheaper option. You can knock out a lot of those required classes for crazy cheap. But I mean, I think I think high schools are also doing a better job now of offering college level classes. So when kids get to college, they have a couple credits under their belt and they could 
potentially focus more credit hours on the things that actually do interest them rather than the things that they have to check a box for. And I, and I think in, in many high schools now, at least in more like city area high schools, they are focusing more on giving students a path to study those vocational things. Like that's if, if they want to focus on that, they can go to a special school to study shop, to study mechanics, to study TV production. Like for out in Verina here, there's like a whole school just for for communications. Yeah, which hopefully will vet some of that stuff out uh, sooner than later. Uh, and of course, one of my favorite things to point out too is uh, maybe a little uh, personal finance education <laughs> at that uh, age level too would go a long way. Uh, I'll tell you, I needed that. <laughs> I need it now. Yeah. So, so maybe uh, another way that our kids won't be uh, paying for some of some of the mistakes we had, or we can we can have them avoid some of those mistakes. And one other uh, quick plug uh, where Brandon and I overlap, speaking of DIY, I have had a heck of a time getting folks onto the show just to talk about all things DIY. So uh, if people are interested in coming on and sharing ways that you can start projects, especially if you're entering suburbia, which I also make a plug for the suburbs there that, hey, that's an easy way to start to learn how to do some of these skills, trades, activities is with your own home that I think can get a little tougher, uh, maybe in an urban setting if you're not in a single family home. So folks want to come on, please uh, give me a shout. And speaking of the podcast, uh, before we end for today, can you guys want to go ahead and just let folks know where they can find your podcasts? I know it's all the usual places. And uh, if you have any events coming up or anything like that going on. Yeah, uh, you can find me like greg said all the usual places uh the name of the show is caught by happy you can find me on instagram same name caught by happy one word facebook i'm even on tiktok but i gotta tell you my tiktok has nothing to do with the podcast your, your tiktok <laughs> game is strong come on uh, it, i might quit podcasting and just do tiktok full time yeah that's where you can find me and you can reach me at caught by happy at gmail.com if you want to pitch me about whatever it is that you're doing that you loved to do i would love to have you on the show and we can talk about it i just interviewed yesterday an actress out in la who's she's you know this this is exactly the type of person i want to talk to she is an aspiring actress she's working hard she's like in the middle of auditioning and going to like casting directors and trying to get her name out there. And she's in the thick of it and she hasn't yet been any in anything huge, but she's really working on it. And this is what she loves to do. And she's making a ton of sacrifices. So these are the stories that I think need to be shared. These people who are doing what they love to do, despite all the hardships that are coming their way. Caught by happy at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show. My podcast is builds bullets and brews. Uh, search for it. Builds period, bullets, period, bruise. Um, you can find that on Instagram and Facebook where I'm most active. I technically have a TikTok account. There's nothing on it. You just use it to follow me. I do. You like you and uh, a couple other like firearm accounts. So the other things that like, I don't even like open it except that one video you made of me when I went to get my car. That was great. Do you see how many views I got? Too many, too many. I was, I look, blo I look bloated. I wasn't prepared. Um, but yeah, um, uh, shoot me an email builds bullets and brews at gmail.com. Uh, all one word. If you do anything in DIY, uh, shooting or the drinking space, coffee, bourbon, wine, liquor, 
mead, whatever it is. If you make it or sling it, let me know. Of course, shout out to the Ring Media Network as well. So if anybody listening is on the fence about starting a podcast or any other creative venture, check out ringmedia.com. That's R-R-I-N-G media.com. Matt will be happy to assist. And uh, he's also got us on speed dial as well. So even if it's networking, marketing, or the technical creative side, we, we got you covered. And not just these guys. I mean, anybody, you know, maybe if you need some, uh, well, Greg does a lot of music stuff. Um, if you need music done, Greg can help you out. If you need some editing done, we can help you out with that. There's a lot of stuff we can we can do to, to get you in touch with the right people and get you the best assets for whatever it is you're producing. Advice on your next firearm purchase. I can help with that, too. That's 100% <laughs> Brandon's game. <laughs> Which I'm not sure how that'll fit into your creative content, but it might if you need security or something. <laughs> All right. Well, fellas, I appreciate you joining the show today. And of course, we'll be in touch. Cheers. Thanks, Greg. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit suburbanfolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 12 other great podcasts. Head over to suburbanfolk.com for links to their shows. We're also part of the Ring Media Network. Go to ringmedia.com to learn more. That's R-R-I-N-G media.com.